this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Mullinex, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch all my favorite animated shows. In this episode, when Dipper wishes he could go back in time and undo a mistake that he made with Wendy, he discovers that there is a time machine that can help him. Meanwhile, it's love at first sight for Mabel when she wins a pet pig. We're talking about Gravity Falls, the time traveler's pig this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. I am so excited that you got finally watched this episode. It's funny because all this time I've been thinking it was called the Time Traveling Pig, and I just realized it's the Time Traveler's Pig, <laughs> which is a play on a, a really good novel. You uh, actually were saying before we started recording that you, it wasn't what you thought it was. No. How, how did you originally think this episode was going to go? I thought it would be more like, have you ever seen Back to the Future 2? Yeah. I thought there would be more interaction with stuff that happened in the past. I thought it would be more like importantly integrated into the story more than just sort of a, a series of jokes. Not that I was disappointed. It just wasn't the, the, the type of story that I, uh, that I thought it was. That's actually uh, one of my notes was how they handled the time traveling in this. So, yeah. But hey, are you having a good week? So far, so good. Since yeah. yesterday. So yeah, well, <laughs> well, it's been yesterday for us. It's been like, what, two weeks for everybody else? Right, right. <laughs> I had a good day and went out and voted in our primaries. So, yay, mm. voting. Though by the time this episode comes out, God, it's going to be like almost the end of summer. So, <laughs> well, get out and vote, kids. Make sure you register to vote. That's very important. Register to vote. Get out there. Vote. It's very important. Please do. So, yeah, pretty good day. And then. Worked on this. Talked to Megan a little bit. Got to hear her baby make baby sounds. So Excellent. Be- best friend baby sounds. So that was fun. Ah, I'm so excited to talk to you about this. You ready? I am. So, so just for me, like I love this episode. Oh, oh, excuse me. I love it that much that that I'm just full of gas. It makes me gassy. This was my first episode of Gravity Falls, so I, I love this episode. It's it's very nostalgic for me. It's it's one of my personal favorites just because it was my first, and I love it. So I'm, I've been waiting to talk about this episode with you. So here we go. <clears throat> the Time Traveler's Pig is the ninth episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on August twenty fourth, two thousand twelve. It was written by Ari Wallington and Alex Hirsch. The director was Aaron Springer and Joe Pitt. I just realized today that their pit cola that they always drink is probably named after Joe Pitt. I didn't oh, put yeah. two and two together until like, you know, like eight years after watching the show. I was like, oh, I bet that's named after Joe Pitt. And storyboard artists were Mark Garcia and Eric Fountain. Some extra information for you. Waddles, the pig, and the man selling him, whose name is Sprott, is voiced by a personal favorite of ours, Mr. D. Bradley Baker. Oh, that's funny. I know. With over 600 shows on his resume, D. Bradley Baker is a legend in the industry. He's a renowned creature voice actor, including both Appa Momo from Avatar The Last Airbender and Lion from Steven Universe. He is also, and this is why we like him, because our other podcast is a Star Wars podcast. 
He is also the voice of Captain Rex and all of the clone characters in Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, the voice of Klaus in American Dad, and Animal in the new run of Muppet Babies. Is it obvious that we love Dee Badley Baker on this podcast? Because that's the longest introduction we've given anybody. I should say me. You didn't write it. I did. Right. <laughs> I love Dee Bradley Baker. And the fact that he is the voice of, actually, the the so- guy who was selling him, the, the guy who was like, oh, well, 15 poundy. He actually sounds a lot like Alex Hirsch. So I, for the longest time, thought that was Alex Hirsch voicing him. And I didn't realize that that was also Dee Bradley Baker because it just doesn't sound like any of the voices I've ever heard him no, do. No, I never would have picked it out. Me neither, because it's nothing like Rex or, or any other characters he does. And the fact that he's the voice of Waddles making little piggy sounds. <laughs> Waddles. Anyway, moving on. Blendon Blandon is voiced by Justin Roiland. His other works include the voices of both Rick and Morty, as well as being one of the creators of Rick and Morty. Justin Roiland and Alex Hirsch are really good friends in real life. There are actually several Gravity Falls references in Rick and Morty, but I can't actually name any of them at the moment because they would be big spoilers for Chris. So just know that they're there, guys. The Time Police... I'm going to butcher all these names, just FYI. The Time Police Officers of Lolth and Dungdrin... I think it's Dungdrin? Are voiced by... Dungdrin? Are voiced by David Wittenberg and Diedrich Bader. Wittenberg is also the voice of the Time Baby. It's it's they're making fun of they're making fun of an actor. It's that max my very next note. <laughs> the two Time Police are named Loth and Dundren is a reference to the actor Dolph Lundgren and the character he portrayed in the movie Universal Soldier. Was that it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess. He's also Chris. in. He was also Rock Ivan Drago in the Rocky movie. <laughs> right, let's break you. The title of this episode is more than likely a reference to the novel, The Time Traveler's Wife. And this is actually Blinden Blandin's fourth, number four, appearance in the show. He is seen in the background of Taurus Trapped, Legend of the Gobblewonker, and Headhunters. Did that blow your mind, knowing that he was in those first three episodes? Yes. Just because his character is big and round and bright colored... Like, he w- he's an easy-to-spot character, so you'd think you would have spotted him, but you're not looking for him, so... I actually was trying to see if you would how much you were paying attention, because when I first put up the first episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, I purposely picked the image that had Blunden Blandon in it. And when I put in the Two True Freaks Cantina, I was like, let me see how much Chris is paying attention to this. And you never said anything, so I was like, I got away with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I was just waiting and waiting for you to send me a message of, like, Hope, who's that dude behind the gnomes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I have no idea. Nope. Yeah, and and that's I think that's what I that's one of my favorite parts of to move on to our favorite parts of the episode. That's actually one of my favorite parts was I remember how much it blew my mind that he was in the first three episodes, and I went back and I rewatched all three of those scenes. Then this was you know like back in like. 2014 when I first started watching the show I was just like oh my god he is here there he is and there he is too and there is too but the fun thing about Blinden being a time traveler is you never know when he's going to be in the background because he's he's not in the background of every episode but he'll just show up in the background of some episodes and he'll just be there and he won't do anything he'll just be there and that's kind of like it's almost like a where's Waldo and I like that about it because he brings this kind of where's Waldo element to the show because you never know quite when he's going to show up and he'll just be there and then he'll be gone and that's it and it's fun. 
Well, we'll start we'll start with that. So what was your favorite part of the episode, Chris? My favorites were just little thing. Well, I loved Lolf and Dungren. Thought that was funny. But my my other thing that I that I really liked was seeing Yunkle Yunkle Stan. Yunkle Stan. In that one scene. Yeah. Isn't he cute with his little brown hair? He nice looks little... exactly like you would imagine he would look like. If I, I think he has different glasses. I think they're a slightly different shape, like they're flatter on the top or something. But yeah, I mean, he's a little cutie in his young age. But I just love that they th- threw that in. And just like, just kind of opens the door and just goes back inside. like. Yep. And I like seeing like how the Mystery Shack looks a little bit different, too. It doesn't have like all the craziness about it, too. It, it no, has it that just feeling like... It looked like just... he was just living in it, and then probably something happened, and, and then he decided to make it into the Mystery Shack. But this was back in his normal days. Yeah, yeah. My favorite parts, well, one was just the reveal that Blinden's in the first three episodes. But I just like all the time traveling scenes in general and how just the time hopping. I like oh. I like that it's all done around just this tape measure. And I, I just like how they handle those. Just like, you know, they go to dinosaur times and they hop into pioneer times. And it's just like, this is a high five. We're going to vote soon. And just I liked the time hopping. And then probably my favorite line of the entire episode is, do you know how many rules you just broke? I'm asking because I wasn't there. Probably a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> so for story themes and characters where do you want to what do you want to start i have notes about like little notes big notes notes about blendon do you want to just start with blendon sure yeah me, i'm calling say? him patrick delmore from now on because he has that voice that sounds like patrick delmore from that we use in jagas and jedi yes <laughs> now the funny thing is is a lot of people have written that this this voice that he does is like his practice morty voice because this episode aired, if I read, if I remember correctly, 15 months before Rick and Morty started airing, which means they had to even record it probably a year before the show aired. He's yeah, he's not as exaggerated as Morty. He's not as oh god as Morty, but yeah, you, it's definitely similar. So, what did you think of Blendon Blandon as the uh, monster of the week kind of character? Oh, he was cool. He was more like he was barely like the monster of the week. He was more of just like a plot device. But yeah, he's a good he's a good character because he's just sort of a sad sack sent by the time baby to fix things. <laughs> the time baby, <laughs> what a, what a unique concept I I must say like of just some all powerful baby that controls time. <laughs> o- only Alex Hirsch, man. Only Alex Hirsch. I I like Blendon Blandon too. I think he's a very interesting character, but I also like. Like you said, it's a plot device because it absolutely opens up the mythos of this world. Uh, being able to see like the future with the time baby and knowing that there's a year twenty seventeen twelve, and it, it just to me like it's a nice way to open up just the world and to show that there's more kind of I don't want to say magical mystical things because we're already used to magical mystical things, but it's even bigger than just gravity falls because you have this like baby that controls time. Or, well, at least, you know, in charge of time. I don't know, it's a baby. But I actually also really love how they handled time traveling in this episode as well, because time traveling can be easily super messy, super fast in a show. So, and like, because it opens up, like, paradoxes, like, what if they run into their past selves? You know, there's a, there's a lot of ways that time traveling can really mess up a show. And I like it, because for one, they took out the whole, like, let's not run into our past selves, because they were just in, they were the ones in those moments. 
But I also like that Gravity Falls just focused on one specific moment in time just to repeat just one moment. So you didn't run into like those really super messy outcomes that could easily, easily unravel a show. Or they pile up on themselves. But yeah. I, that's why I think they should have called this Time Hog Day. Time Hog Day! It's way more like Groundhog Day than it is the Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, it's nothing <laughs> like the Time Traveler's Wife, but it is like Groundhog Day. So I think they should have called it Time Hog Day. It's so obvious they got a hog in it. Oh my god, that's hilarious, Chris. <laughs> I didn't well, even too late think now. about that. Oh, Alex Hirsch, you had the chance! But did you like how they handled the time traveling in this episode? I did because it was not, it was, it wasn't trying to be like, for one, trying to be like completely tight with your time travel stuff is really hard. I've seen very few movies that have done it. Yeah. So they yeah. just, they just take it for laughs. They, they do it like Bill and Ted's excellent adventure type time travel, you know? Funny, it's, actually, the Bill and Ted trailer dropped today for the new movie. I, I, I know, I saw it. Yeah. Just to date this episode. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, they just played it for lap. I mean, you knew it wasn't going to be taken seriously when they go back into the way they portrayed, like, Pioneer Days and stuff like that, you know. So it was, mm-hmm. it was being done just for fun. Anything that they altered was just going to be something for, for a joke in the story, you could tell. And I like how simple it was, that it was just a a tape measure, and you just pull it out to where you need to go and then go. Because a lot of times, like, when you actually have a time machine, you you run into other complications. Like, I'm a big fan of the show Timeless, which they have this huge, massive time machine that three people ride inside of. So then they run into story plots of, we have to hide the time machine. What if someone sees it? It's massive. It's the size of a freaking SUV. So, like, when you're in the past, you can't, like, in the 1700s, you can't have, like, an SUV-sized time machine just out in the open. So, I like the fact that it's just, like, a little simple tape measure. So, it's something easy. It's something that kids can understand. Like, they pull it out, they hit the button, they go. And it doesn't slow down the plot of, like, we need to hide this thing. Or, like, what if someone sees us? So, I, I like, I just like how they handle everything about it. It's just all done really well. And it's clean. And it's simple. It's easy for kids to understand. There's plenty of jokes that adults get. It's just, I really enjoy how they handle the time traveling aspects of the show. So, as I said in the opening, this was my first episode of Gravity Falls. That's part of the reason why I love this episode, because it's very nostalgic. But I, I started thinking about it, and it made me kind of rethink the pilot, which is something I was saying when we did our first episode, was the first episode feels so piloty to me. Because this was my first episode, and I got everything I needed to know. I, I learned everything I needed to know about the characters, all the characters. I figured out who Grunkle Stan was really fast. He's a con man. Zeus is the, the fun handyman. I understand Dipper and Mabel. I understand what Wendy's role is in the story. I got everything I needed to know just from this episode. So maybe that's why I always struggle with the, the first episode, because it's just so piloty. And I can't. I, I know I was going to bring this up last week because I mentioned it, but I didn't write it down. <laughs> I don't remember what I how I was going to bring it up. But but do you think that the first episode really needed to be like a super piloty pilot, or do you think that they could have just started with an adventure like this? I think it didn't have to be, but I think they probably did it because they knew it was going to go on. A, they obviously planned it because. 
they had all the backwards time travel stuff in it so they knew it was going to go into a more linear story mode so if you're going to do it you might as well give it you might as well give it a a definitive beginning so so since it eventually is going to become well actually it starts building on itself like pretty quickly but it's still episodic but they, they're just going to have it just to have it. And and plus, just to play it safe, there's a lot of people that's going to work for, you know, that need to, a little more hand-holding through it. Or, so so you have that. Yeah, that's why although, I wanted to Although ask... probably almost anything in the first season could be an entry point into it without being confusing. And that's why I wanted to ask you, because you started the show from the beginning and you've been watching it in, in airing order Unlike me, who started in the middle and had to go backwards. I, I just wanted to see if, if that worked for you. Yeah, it works. Yeah. My my next uh, note is, all the niceties with Pacifica are gone. Mabel's her rival now. <laughs> well, she took her pig. Well, I, even at the beginning, before she even got Waddles. Yeah. Like, because uh, the last two episodes, like, in Double Dipper, she was trying to be like, let's have a fun competition, even though I'm going to take you down. And then last week in Irrational Treasure, when we did that one, she was still being kind of Pacifica until Pacifica embarrassed her. And this one, before she even got Waddles, the moment she saw Pacifica, she was just like, oh, Pacifica. And I was like, oh, niceties are gone now with Mabel. Yeah. They are rivals. Um, let's talk about the pig. Now we have Mr. Waddles. Waddles. I just have big letters. Waddles. I like Waddles. He just, he's a cute little pet pig. He doesn't do much. I'll have more to say about him later. That's fine. I, he, honestly, to be perfectly honest, he doesn't really do much overall in the series. He's just Mabel's pig. <laughs> that's that's what Waddles' role is. He's just the cute pet of the of the show, and and I, I mean, it's not like he he's a pig. He doesn't have like a huge character arc or anything. Oh, uh, hope you're 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 spoiling. It's a you pig! Killed, you just killed my prediction. Are you serious? Yes. Am I? Are you serious? It's a pig! My prediction was eventually that pig's gonna talk. I'm sorry I killed your prediction. I thought the pig was gonna talk, Hope. I'm sorry. Well, we have other... We can talk about other predictions, so... Okay. Oh, I, I forgot to mention this. I just also like a lot of the information, uh, the, the animation during the time traveling stuff, like Seuss eating backwards and just showing like the lighting and how it transitions. There's just a lot of really nice animation in this episode. Well, that's also a nice little easy break for the uh, animators because they can just use the same frames backwards, you know. They, they can film it once one way and then the other the other way and they've and it's nice and easy. My last little note that I had was uh, I like just Seuss continuing to be like the Zen character and how he was right because at the beginning of the episode when he was rigging the dunking machine, Stan was like, nothing's going to knock me down. And Seuss was like, you know, unless there's like a futuristic laser beam thing. And that's exactly what happens. <laughs> I just like Seuss still just being kind of aware, but not above those things. Maybe he's maybe he's tapped into the cosmos. Because but, he's the zen, zen, zened out character. Picking uh, up things for the future, he doesn't even know it. <laughs> Maybe he knows more than he looks on. I don't Maybe, know. Maybe, but that he sounds could. like it could be a spoiler. I don't know. Maybe it's a red herring. Maybe. It could be. I have thrown you a couple red herrings, and you are just like, Hop, spoilers! And I was like, I'm sorry, I slipped. <laughs> when it was really a red herring. <laughs> okay. I, I've been purposely throwing those in for you, Chris, because I know All how right. bad I am at this. <laughs> Um, but really, all the rest of my notes have to do with Dipper and Mabel. Do you, are you ready to dig into them? Sure. 
So I was trying to sum up exactly, like, I, I rewrote it, like, four or five times how I felt about their story in this episode. And I ended up reading over Vry Kaiser's recap that they did over at the Mary Sue, because they did a recap series, rewatching Gravity Falls. And they summed up my feelings about Dipper and Mabel very nicely. And I just wanted to read this paragraph because it, it just got it. The time-traveling plot plays perfectly into Dipper's anxious, obsessive nature, a match of supernatural reflecting interpersonal uh, interpersonal that characterizes the show's best episodes. And the fact that Dipper and Mabel are so willing to help each other until it comes down to one or the others losing what's most important to them makes their bond something that we, as an audience, don't want to lose, and it raises the stakes here. It's not just about waddles or winding, but it's a willingness to put someone you love before yourself. Which really just sums up, because so far, like, this show, we've seen them both really step up, but this is the first time where the twins came together, and it was either going to be Dipper wins or Mabel wins. Neither of them, there's no scenario where both of them would win. And I, and I like that because it actually puts their bond that we've been growing and watching and seeing over the last eight episodes is the first real time that that bond is being really, truly tested where one of them is going to lose. And the whole lesson is about prioritizing someone before yourself. Yeah, but in one reality, Mabel still had to beat her head against a totem pole for a month. You know, I've seen some criticisms of that, that people were saying that she was emotionally manipulative in that, which I disagree with. I think well, that's a very strong she, reaction. That, 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 is emotion, uh, that is emotionally manipulative if it was something that happen, happens in reality. I mean, people do do stuff like that in reality to be emotionally manipulative, but it's a cartoon. It was yeah. it was meant to illustrate a point. If you want to get that far in, into her being... I'm just saying she had to sit and beat her head against a totem pole for a month in, in that reality. Luckily, it got canceled out, but yeah. <laughs> still. <laughs> I have to say the fact that Stan turns her into an attraction for the mystery set is a very Stan thing to do. <laughs> mm. But the the reason I, th- I started thinking about it more because I, I saw that as a very strong reaction. I don't think that Mabel was being emotionally manipulative. I think she was actually truly upset. That's what made me love Dipper's choice so much, because when it comes to Wendy, there's no guarantee that him and Wendy would even work out. You know, there's no guarantee that he would end up truly being happy. But in that reality, he sees that Mabel would truly be happy with Waddles. And that is a guarantee that he knows is a true thing. Yeah, Unlike no, there's, him no way he would, there's no way anybody's being happy with anybody in those, unless you're like... And like one of those like families that like are really religious and marry off, get married off at 15. Your first relationships are always goofy training relationships. And I mean, they, they illustrate that by the fact that that Wendy could just Wendy w- could just be like, eh, OK, with either of them at that point. It's all just even... the way the wind blows that day. Whether, you know, she could just easily date either one of them. So like. Yeah, cause she doesn't even give, like, Robbie a hard yes of, like, oh, my God, I've been having the biggest crush on you, too. It was just more like a, yeah, okay. It's not even a hard yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it's, why it's it, almost meaningless. <laughs> yeah, and so, like, that's why it didn't bother me, because there's just no guarantee that, A, 
him and Wendy would even get together. Even if they did to get together, there's no guarantee that it would work out because he's only here for a summer and he would have to go back to, they're from California, so he would have to go back to California at the end of the summer anyway. And so that's that's why I like it because he ended up seeing that his sister's happiness meant more to him than a possible chance with Wendy. And that's why I like that choice and I found it really admirable for, for Dipper. I do have to say that Dipper, or not Dipper, Mabel makes a really good point when Dipper's like, well, we can't mess with the past. And this is after she's lost Waddle. And she flat out says, says the guy that, who's been changing the past all day. And I was like, yep. that's a very good point. Because yep. <laughs> Dipper was choosing like, well, my happiness is here. So I can't change the past now. And she was like, you've been changing the past all day. And now my happiness is in jeopardy. But I, I do have to point out like one thing. To me, like, this was, like, the most obvious thing that kind of led to this decision. Dipper says that the only reason Wendy went out with Robbie in the first place is because Robbie was there in time with the ice, which is not true. Dipper is not even looking at the fact, which is more obvious, that Wendy doesn't even want to date a 12-year-old. She's given no reason that she is ever interested in Dipper. But he is not putting that on himself. He is blaming everything else. He's like, oh, it's the ice. It's the Robbie. He was here and stuff like that. But he's not looking at the obvious of what if Wendy doesn't want to date a 12 year old, which is to me like the very obvious part of why he chooses the guaranteed happiness of Mabel, because I think that's when he realizes like, OK, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that Mabel's going to be OK. But, you know, that's that's the thing. Like, he's not looking at his faults in this. It, like, he's not even looking at the... Po he's looking at every other possibility except for the possibility of what if Wendy doesn't want to date me. Which you would if you were a 12-year-old pubo. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what, what did... I've been talking a lot. What do you feel about the twins and their story in this? I like it. it it's a little stronger variation of sort of the, the same thing like they they do a lot of variations on a theme and just sort of deepen it so it's it's very similar to the storylines concerning the two of them there uh, there's a lot of stories where one of them has to help the other one out where one of them is dependent on the other one to to help them out yeah and it and it seems to have a sort of like with romantic relationships too there's a lot of romantic relationships in this for for twelve year olds. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and and I like kind of like that first opening thing where Dipper even acknowledges Mabel, where he's hanging out with Wendy, and Wendy gets mustard on her, so she steps off to clean the mustard off, and he looks at Mabel and goes, "You're right. All your all your advice about just." being easy and not not being easy that sounds weird uh, by being like open and just going for it and not being in my head uh, it's working look we're hanging out but then of course then the rest of the episode we see dippers in his head which is continuing to mess things up but yeah i mean that's that goes back to what i was saying where this is the first time this is a building on what we've seen so far in the show but this is the first time where their bond is tested because one of them is gonna lose yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, it's always been one or the others had to help him out, and this one, this one it was, this one sort of set up a little bit of the gift of the magi sort of situation. Yeah. Did you have any other notes? Wow, we went through those really. I'm just so happy. I just love this episode. It's my really... only other note is I've always wanted my dream job is work in a dunking booth. I would love to work a dunking booth. I would be so good at a dunking booth. Somebody please give me a job at a dunking booth. <laughs> Where you're the person being dunked. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I would I would make people so angry. <laughs> I, I gotta say, Dunk was 
Stan was a little like with the like the mutton top. I was muffin top. I was like, oh, Stan, Stan. Oh yeah. Oh no, he was being a nice guy. I would. I oh my god, I would. Yeah. <laughs> you would heckle. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would tear people down. I would. I would have to have a steel lined one because people would be, like bulletproof and stuff. I would do that job one hundred and ten percent. You know, I, I was kind of thinking about this a little earlier, and I didn't note it in reference to Stan. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's just, this is just me overthinking it, but I kind of think there's been some progression here. Because I was thinking back to some of the earlier episodes where the twins were actually working in the shack and where Dipper had to work uh, the ticket counter for, for, for Depple Dipper when they were having the dance at the Mystery Shack. But after the kids put up the, you know, the little health inspector signs... They got to enjoy the fair, and he didn't have them working at the fair, which to me kind of a nice development because yeah, it wasn't I, like I, it was. I don't know if they did that on purpose or if it's just easier to free up story <laughs> by doing yeah. that at first, you know. And it, and and it was better maybe to do that more at the beginning of it because when they were more fish out of water, we're fish out of water, and weird uncle or you know Grunkle Stan is going to make us work in his weird little shop and stuff. Yeah, they've they've established a relationship with him now, and he's treats them more like kids. He's given them a little more leeway. Yeah, and I I like to believe that that's a conscious choice. Where if this episode happened earlier, that they would have been working for the fair. So part of the plot would be them trying to get out of their jobs, like we've seen earlier in the show. Right. But I, I feel like you know after they put up the signs and they did the work that they had to do, they were able to go have fun. And I like I like to think that that was a conscious choice where. The, the writers and the artists made sure that Stan would let them enjoy a fair. I like to think that. Because Seuss, uh, Seuss was still working. You know, he was still working the whole thing. But Wendy was not. So maybe Wendy just asked the day off. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know. I wasn't have... at the writers meeting. And if I was, this would be Time Hog Day. Time Hog. I still love Time Hog Day. <laughs> That's hilarious, Chris. I didn't have anything else. Like, this is both a really deep episode and a sim- super simple episode as well at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of a deepening... It's sort of a deepening of things that have happened earlier that we've talked about. So, like, we end up just talking about, you know, where they went further with their relationship. Yeah. It, it, we're just sort of adding on to stuff that's already been built, so it might not <laughs> take as long to explain while being more complicated. Yeah, but I do like how it did grow because there's that one, as the the kids are time jumping, there's that one future where you see the time baby just destroying stuff in the background and Mabel's like, this looks like a nice future. And it's just like, when does that happen in the world of Gravity Falls? <laughs> if it ever happens. That's, um, how, that's how time ends is obviously the time baby comes and just raises everything probably. <laughs> But yeah, I, I like what it does for the world and how it, that that kind of element grows and stuff. So I liked it. This is one of my favorites. So, well, are you ready to go on to part two? Even though I've ruined one of your speculations. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, one and, of my and, speculations. It was my only speculation. Well, I wrote I it like, so 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 decisively too. I wrote the pig is more than it seems, and it will talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, let me throw you another one. Because here we're introduced to the Time Police and Time Baby. What are your thoughts about how, what they add to the show as well as 
do you think that we're going to come back to time traveling plots? Do you think that we're that the time police and the time baby are going to play into the bigger story? Like, what are your thoughts around those? I would imagine the time police more than the time baby, but I don't know. I'd like to see the time baby, at least a cameo by the time baby. But I wouldn't picture the time baby being like a story element. I imagine the time baby exists in time and doesn't really get involved in story elements, probably until the end of time when the time baby tears reality apart or something like that. But uh, it's it's possible. They they definitely they definitely like presented the time baby as a a throwaway gag, but then at the end they gave it a name, so it's very possible. What are your thoughts on Lyndon Blandon? Of of how he might work into the greater story. I or, see or him as more he'll... of a he's. I think see of him as more of a gag character who's just going to show up and be hapless every once in a while. You know, mm-hmm. he seems like somebody who's got caught in a. He's like a bad luck person that's been caught in a bad situation and is just sort of trying to trying to get out of it. Yeah, I, I imagine if we see him again, he's just going to be just sort of go like, oh no, somewhere. Do you think that they should do more time traveling episodes in this, or do you want it sure. to keep just? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. It's it's. I mean, it does. Time traveling doesn't work as well in the context of like a town with mysteries in it. I'd rather have it be more like that. Maybe a little time travel. You know, having an episode on time travel is certainly a good idea because it's a we. You know, it's like the X Files. You know, you have a different weird thing every time and time travel is one of those things so you should have a time travel story but i don't know if time travel is the best possible thing for this you know as mm-hmm. a as a story story element other than just as the sort of element of the week i i, I think it, it, it's more intriguing as the quote unquote solving the mystery of the town what's going on in the town to, to build on what you just said do you think that it might be an element to help with the mystery of the towns, or do you think that it's just the mystery I mean, is going to do its own it, thing? It could. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at it from if I was writing it. I would not like time travel. It can be a crutch if you're going to be using it all the time. I mean, if you if it's the basis of your show, if it's a show about time travelers, then it's not a crutch. But in a show like this, where t- where it's not time traveling, isn't the main thing. It's kind of, it could be too easy to just be like, let's go back in time and do this or something. Or mm-hmm. maybe they'll, maybe they'll have to do it one. Maybe they'll have to go back in time once to, to do something to get part of the mystery or something. If I was writing this, I would not, I would use the time traveling very sparingly and carefully after doing it, having a whole episode on it. There's <laughs> just so many, there's so many writing problems that you can run into as you were saying before with time travel that it's like do it once but if you get it to if you keep using it and keep using it you're just upping your chances that you're going to either be cheating on something or screwing something up cool i'm sorry i stole your pig speculation Uh, what's gonna do i I don't write my notes down so you can't see them ahead of time and i know i don't I i don't blame you I, I mean, I would hope that Waddle being a pig would just be like, you know, there's it's a pig. <laughs> I didn't think that like you would have a huge thing about Waddle. Well, think about it. Yeah, but we've had all sorts of things that we thought were other things. And like at the end, Waddle say, you know, thank you, you two, for blah, blah, blah. I've been an observer from the planet so-and-so, you know. <laughs> and taking good care of me while I was here. And so long. Because I don't know, can she bring Waddle home with her when she leaves Gravity Falls? 
our parents would feel about having a pig in the house. Pig shit is stinky. What was your speculation, um, gosh, from, I think it was from the first episode about Stan and the, the vending machine? What, what was what was that speculation? What was that? You, you In our, our first episode, you had a speculation about Stan, about the vending machine. What was it? Wasn't it like he had some sort of, like, inter-portal dimension thing? Oh, I don't was, remember. Yeah, I It was something remember. like that? I don't remember. Well, maybe he is the president of the Waddles is the king of whatever your speculation that about Stan was. I feel like at some point you mentioned something about Stan having portal machines. I feel like uh, you mentioned that at some point. Well, it's good for me to know that you don't remember your past theories. So, yeah, <laughs> that makes it easier for me to throw red herrings. So. <laughs> Well, now it's time to go into the Cypher Corner and connections to previous episodes. So this was the first episode that really delved into a lot of connections to previous episodes. One we've already mentioned was Blendon Blandon is in the is in Tours Trapped, Legend of the Gomble Wonker, and Headhunters. So that's that's the big one here. The next one is one of the pioneers that Dipper and Maple visit yells, by Trimbley, which is a reference to Quentin Trimbley. I totally miss that. I totally miss that. Yep, it's a reference to President Quentin Trimbley from the last episode, Irrational Treasure. So when they first catch Blendon Blandon, he has the red screwdriver and he's trying to activate the camouflage on his suit and it flashes to a bunch of different pictures. One of the pictures we see is Scuttlebutt Island from the episode The Legend of the Gobblewonker. The other two pictures that we see on his suit are both from future episodes, so I can't talk about them right now. (laughs) The Time Baby was actually first mentioned in Irrational Treasure, because when they're looking through documents and they read about it, one of the documents reads that the Time Baby was originally frozen in a glacier in Antarctica. And remember it said, good thing glaciers don't melt. In reference to oh, the yeah, time baby. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, so that was the first reference to the time baby. And as always, there's a cipher at the end of the episode after the credits. And once it's decoded, it says, Not HD Wells approved. How do they know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the fun thing. There's a lot of, we're starting to get into these episodes that have like a lot of connections to kind of earlier stuff that's been set up. So they kind of set up like the time baby a couple episodes ago and stuff like that. So it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, as always, I would love to take a moment to thank my amazing patrons. The show does not run without you, and we love you, and I love you so much, and you guys are the best. And my amazing patrons are Billy, Lynn, Patrick, Bree and Alex, Kate and Heather. Your support means the world to me. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for everything you do. And I love you so much, you guys. But did you have anything else with this episode? Ah, not really. All right, well, give me your final thoughts. What'd you think? I really liked it. I wouldn't say it's my favorite episode. Still, that was still a couple episodes ago, but I I, I liked it a lot. I, I am a sucker for time travel stories and pigs and dunking booths had all those elements in it i i enjoyed it yeah um i love this episode um it was my first episode of gravity falls so it's just really nostalgic to me i remember i was at my friend shelly's house the first time i saw it we were watching it together i i remember exactly where i was when i saw this so personally this episode means just a lot to me so it does make me very biased towards it um, as for the episode itself, I love it. I, I think it's a good time to show why Dipper and Mabel are such strong characters and why their bond is so important. 
I like the time traveling plot. I think it's handled really well. I like how it grows the mythos of the show by introducing the time police and the time baby. And I like Blendon Blandon. Like, he doesn't do a lot, but he's he's a funny little character. Like, I just love him in the barrels going in circles, just going like, yay! <laughs> it's great. I love this episode. It's just, I love it so much. So, well, that's all I have. Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me on twotruefreaks.com. That's our website where we have all our podcasts, including J Guys and Jedi, the other podcast that, that Hope and I do over there. On uh, Right now we're doing Rebels, but if you go back through the past catalog, you'll find we, we covered all the Clone Wars and a lot, tons of Star Wars movies and commentaries around the holidays. So I'm sure what we... You, You'll uh, figure out we're going to be doing the last season of Clone Wars. We'll be doing Resistance. Anything. We'll be doing the Mandalorian. We'll be doing the Filoni-verse. Anything. As long as they keep putting out Star Wars animation or Dave Filoni stuff, we'll be, we'll be on the ball. And if we run out of that, we'll do, we'll do Ewoks and droids. We're not, we're not proud. In, um, in comparison, um, when you talk about the past catalog, we have over 200 episodes of J Guys and Jedi. So if you like us and you like Star Wars, we have a lot of talking that we've yeah, done for Star the, Wars. At the week we're recording this, it's episode 221 is going out. Yep, so. Yeah, and we just recorded for episode 223. So we've we've been talking Star Wars for a few years now. So you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's almost going to add up to, to years pretty soon in, in time recorded. Uh, where else we're also uh we are also on facebook we have the two true freaks podcast page on facebook and the two true freaks cantina and the 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 podcast page is basically we we put up our our podcast there you can see what's coming out in the and the cantina is where we talk about stuff talk about movies and media and all the stuff that nerds talk about and we're also on twitter if you search for two true freaks on twitter you'll find our twitter page run by Gene Gene, the podcasting machine. Gene. They're like, well, well, some of our, some of, some of our listeners, I'm sure, uh, they they're, yeah. they're, they are aware of Gene and the Gene yeah, song. At least the, Patrick the, the general Geneness. At least Patrick and Heather are because they're two of our J guys listeners. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> at least Patrick. At least, yeah, now Patrick's hearing me mock his his voice that doesn't sound like his voice that I've created to be his voice mocked on two different shows now <laughs> that's true that's true patrick so you guys know patrick has this like taking really every platform smooth, patrick to do that voice like in reality patrick has this like very smooth like traditional radio voice like he has such a nice voice so we purposely mock it to make him sound like a whiny teenager with his approval you know we're not making Would fun you like, like some fries with that yeah like we have patrick's okay to do this so we're not like like knocking him down or anything we, we got we got the okay so yeah <laughs> patrick's a comb like yeah they got the okay yeah <laughs> funny guys hoping chris but that's where you can find me <laughs> where can they find you hope of course you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com as this is the animation podcast for geeky girl experience uh, you can find all my reviews and writing there and actually, by the time this episode comes out, I'm going to have merchandise. So that's going to be exciting. You can also find me on Twitter, at HopeMallMax. I run our JGuys account, so you can also find me over at JGuys and Jedi, where I have Star Wars stuff. And I also write fanfiction over on Archive of Our Own, under the name Chaos Lydia, where I write fanfiction. 
and all sorts of different things. So, yeah. Aww. Let's see. What, what are we talking about next week? Gravity Falls season, or next time, I should say. It's season one. Next time, we're going to be talking about fight fighters. Oh, okay. I'm hoping that's like Fight Club. I'm hoping it'll be a split personality episode. Oh my god. <laughs> gravity Falls Fight Club. We don't talk about, well, you know, you First don't First rule about of the... Gravity Falls is we don't talk about Grunkle Stan. <laughs> yeah. But all right, you guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months? behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, my patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website Geeky Girl Experience with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.